thanks to our sponsor, Nintex. If you could score an extra hour or two back in your day, wouldn't you take it? Because our friends at Nintex want to give you a gift, the gift of time. Seriously, if you haven't checked out what Nintex has to offer lately, you should. The platform built on Azure has evolved a lot. In just the past few months, the Nintex team has added new process mapping capabilities and most recently a new eSign capability called Nintex Sign, powered by Adobe Sign. Nintex also continues to revolutionize products that you know and trust, including Nintex Workflow and Forms. With the power of Nintex, it is faster and easier for you to configure, not code, giving you valuable time back every day to spend it how you want. Test drive the Nintex Process Cloud at Nintex.com. This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 388, where today we're going to tackle a listener question about Microsoft 365 roles and responsibilities, some news around Teams, some news around Microsoft Graph, some news around Azure, some news around SharePoint. It's just a news update show recorded live December the 10th, 2020. This episode is brought to you by AppPoint. If you like the Microsoft Cloud Show, you'll love the Shift Happens podcast with MVP and Regional Director Dux Raymond Sai. Each week, Ducks talks with one of the industry's brightest stars about their most challenging modern workplace or digital transformation project. He uncovers the players, organizational hurdles, and last-minute surprises that inevitably rise when ambitious people try to impact their workspace. Season 1 features FedEx, Wells Fargo, Heathrow Airport, United Airlines, and other industry leaders. Go to avpoint.com slash blog slash shift happens or search for the hashtag shift happens. That's one word. Shift happens wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe today. Back to the show. Good morning, CJ. G'day. How you doing? Doing good, man. We have, we have a bunch of news to get through today. It was a <laughs> bunch of news last time. And then I'm looking at our list here. I'm like, we may be kind of calling some of this to punt it to the following week because yeah. right after you and I said it was like a slow news time, here it comes. <laughs> it was like a deluge right before the end of the year. It's something, everybody's getting it out of their system, perhaps. Yeah, no kidding. We got to start thinking about, we're in episode 388. We got to start thinking about what are we going to do for our predictions or our hopes going forward oh, to next year. Yeah. We got to start thinking about what are we going to do for episode 400, which is now about was that 12 episodes away, which is about three, so March-ish? Yeah, early next year. Crazy. That could be the vaccine show. <laughs> <laughs> Live on air, we get a vaccine. Yeah. Oh, man. You think it'll be that soon, huh? Anyway. Well, see, that's the thing. It's like, I don't. For people like you and me, I don't. you're in a similar boat that I'm in, where I don't feel like I need to be at the front of the line or even at the middle yeah. of the line for this. It's like... I don't have underlying health conditions. I'm able to work from yeah. home. My kids are in virtual school. My wife doesn't work. Yeah. So it's like, uh, there's a lot yeah. of people that need this before I do. And I'm happy to go get it like day one. But yeah, it'll take a long time before there's quantities available for everybody to go get it. But the I filled out a form on the, um, I think it was a, it was like a little questionnaire on the, I think it was New York Times website that said, how like, like, where in the queue will you be? Right, and you filled out, you know, your age, where in the country you lived, whether you had any pre-existing conditions or not pre-existing, pre that you are. What's the right term I'm looking for? Vulnerable. Vulnerable. Yes, that's a bit. That's a great term. Yeah, vulnerable in certain ways. They asked a few different questions like that, and then it told you where it thought you would be in the queue in terms of who would be ahead of you. There are 286,000, sorry, 286 million people in front of me in the queue. Huh. So, uh, yeah, 
So you, I think it'll be a while. So you should take a couple <laughs> protein bars and make sure you use the restroom before you go stand in line. <laughs> exactly. Hey, stop, no cutting in. You know? Like you're going to notice. 286 million. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> I'm really going to I'm really going to notice. There's always that one person, you know, just wants to sneak on in there, mm-hmm. become the 286 millionth and one <laughs> person. It was pretty entertaining. But anyway, yeah, I think it'll be a while before. I hear England has started their thing, has started their uh, their vaccination program stuff. So um, mm-hmm. that's progress. It's starting. I mean, of course, you're getting a little bit of news about two people had allergic reactions allergic to reactions. Histor- history of allergic reactions, which I know we're going to see some of that stuff. I would expect some yeah. of that. It's not enough to make everything just kind of everyone slam on the brakes, but no. let the medical people do what they're supposed to be doing and let them figure it all out. So, yeah. Anyway. Hey, in other news, well, before we get to the news, I suppose, in other exciting news, one of our fantastic sponsors, Avpoint, who you will have just heard a uh, spot from on the show. They've been a huge and wonderful supporter of the show for many years now, actually. And we've been very fortunate to have their support and making this all possible for us to do. And they had some very exciting news uh, a couple of weeks back, I believe it was a couple of weeks ago now. Mm. They are publicly listing. They've been a private company for, gosh, it must be close to 15 years now. Mm. It's been a long time. And they've been a huge player in the SharePoint and and Microsoft 365, Office 365 ecosystem for over a decade. And so you would have, if you've been to any conference, you would have seen them, right? That big red booth, usually with a nice shiny Ducati parked outside it. Yeah. We've had ducks on the show before and things like that. So yeah, they're going public, which is hugely exciting news, not just for them, but I think also for our ecosystem that we play in. Seeing companies, I guess, succeed in this way or, or progress in this way to a point where they're of a size big enough to go public and get a whole bunch of investment as part of doing that and use that money to to further invest in our ecosystem is just a is really I think it's real validation for Office 365. I know that sounds a bit cheesy, but no. I think it's really important for the ecosystem because people see that there is activity there and so they're more likely to start new businesses to invest in our ecosystem and things like that. And so having these success stories like this it's really important. I agree. I mean, you know, big congrats to, I mean, there's a bunch of people that are over there. And so I can't, I'm going to mess up a lot of people and forget a lot of people. So I'm just going to say to TJ and his team, big congrats. Thanks for all the support for the podcast over the years. They've been a huge supporter and a big friend of the show. I really do appreciate it. And very happy that you guys are able to do this. And I know it's a big milestone for your organization. So Hats off to you and congrats and thanks for doing everything that you've done. Absolutely. And onwards and upwards, I look forward to the future being public. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, hey, speaking of onwards and upwards as well, we'd be remiss in not doing a shout out to to SpaceX's big milestone yesterday. They launched (laughs) Starship One high altitude flight test, flew all the way up. Everything was absolutely perfect. And it even finished with an awesome fireworks display, landing a little (laughs) bit faster than intended and blowing up when it landed. But they were perfectly happy with with what happened. For a second there, I thought it was going to go and land without blowing up. Everything looked fine. I mean, on the way up, I thought there were a couple of things going wrong, and I'm not sure they were in hindsight. But you know, when it came down, it did its belly flop maneuver and, you know, used its fins and all that. Then it did it flip back up and 
and um, was going for the for its touchdown. And apparently, Elon tweeted that I think a Locks header tank had lost too much pressure, and so it wasn't able to force enough flow through the engines or something like that. So they lost some power, and it, it impacted the ground. And when I say impacted the ground, of course it was going to impact the ground. Gravity's a bitch, but the. <laughs> It only just impacted the ground faster than it should have. Like it wasn't. It wasn't like a Mark II impact crater. You know, it was like a very slow impact with the ground. But um, and it was right on on point. It was right in the right spot. But it structurally couldn't take it, and so we witnessed a pretty a pretty spectacular rud. Two thoughts came to mind as like as I saw. It got, so I wasn't able to watch it live, and I was able to watch a recording. I knew what happened, and as it was coming down, I'm looking at this like. Man, there's going to be people in this at one point, and if that's how hard it's going to land, that's going to be a really big jolt when you hit the ground. Like, oh, yeah, I don't think that's going to be the. That's not intentional. (laughs) That was one. I thought that you know, if you're going to hit the ground and and do a landing like that hard of a landing, dude, man, just talk about being enthusiastic getting that thing back on the ground. It's just a little bit too enthusiastic. So, yeah, look, the week before they landed their 68th Falcon Nine, which is. It's nuts, but at any rate, that was a cool thing to watch. It was a big milestone. Cool to see, so very cool. Pretty awesome stuff. What do you say we dive into some, actually, before we do this, actually, before we do the news, let's hear from some of our sponsors, but then I got a little piece I want to do right before we do the news. Sounds good. This episode is sponsored by ShareGate. You probably didn't get into cloud engineering to spend hours manually sifting through layers of data or manually creating reports to understand and explain your Azure costs. Neither did the IT pros at ShareGate, which is why they built ShareGate Overcast. ShareGate Overcast is an Azure cost intelligence tool that reduces manual monitoring and helps you make cost-efficient engineering decisions. And it can help you lower your Azure bill. ShareGate Overcast scans your Azure environment daily and analyzes your cost data. It automatically identifies cost issues and gives you the insights that you need to fix problems fast. Plus, with personalized cost savings recommendations, you can be sure that you're only paying for the resources that you need. And best of all, you can get ShareGate Overcast for free. Find out more at sharegate.com slash cloud show. This podcast is brought to you by Raygun. Have you ever wondered if you could be offering a faster, less buggy application experience for your customers? With Raygun Application Performance Monitoring, you have all the information you need at your fingertips to find and fix errors and performance problems across your tech stack down to the line of code. With Raygun, monitor the impact of your performance improvements, quickly identify and resolve issues, and see how your code performs in the hands of your customers, saving you time, money, and sanity. I've personally used Raygun and Hyperfish for the last four years to help me sleep better at night knowing the customers we've worked so hard to get are having a great experience. We use Raygun to alert engineers proactively so that we can be the ones to tell customers when we've fixed the problem instead of them calling us to say something's wrong. Raygun.com is my secret weapon in shipping high-quality code. Check it out at raygun.com and get up and running in minutes. And we're back. Okay, CJ, we asked this a lot of our listeners, and finally someone did it. Now, of course, it was a new listener, so he hasn't been aware of the fact that apparently nobody else has been doing this, sadly. But thankfully, Alex from the UK picked up his phone, recorded a question for us, and sent it in. So I thought that why don't we go ahead and play Alex's question, and then you and I can give him our two thoughts or some thoughts on this whole thing. Sure. 
Hi Andrew, hi Chris. Uh, my name is Alex, I'm from the UK. I'm a recent convert to your show and I just wanted to get your opinion on something. I am not a developer and I currently work in marketing but I really like what's going on in the Microsoft Cloud, that's why I'm subscribe to your podcast but yeah i've got no interest interest in being a developer per se but i really want to get involved in supporting the microsoft cloud and its future and sort of give myself a future in the at the same time and i was wondering what roles you see available both now and in the future for non-technical people like myself Awesome. Hey, Alex, thank you very much for the question today. I read your question as pretty much a, I'm not a developer. I'm getting into the Office or the Microsoft 365 world. What opportunities, what roles and opportunities are available for people who are non-developers or maybe not technical? So people who are like yourself, Alex, in the marketing group, maybe you're more on the admin side, maybe you're on the infrastructure side. What things can you do that are not so much on the developer piece? Is, are there opportunities in Microsoft 365? And I mean, my answer would be absolutely. I think there's a ton of opportunity for you that's not related to developers. And in fact, I'm a little jaded at the moment. I mean, I think that Microsoft 365 is doing a pretty poor job when it comes to, they're not doing a great job when it comes to development. A lot of stuff is kind of works. There's a lot of issues with a lot of things like SharePoint framework is supposed to be the big cornerstone for doing all development with Teams now, or one option for doing stuff with Teams and with SharePoint. But there's a lot of things that don't work. There's a lot of things that they keep promising are going to be done that just aren't done. So, I mean, on the dev side, I think that that's kind of suspect. But in terms of you know helping people rolling out Teams or doing provisioning and having and setting up different templates for sites that, that people can use and templates for Teams, managing groups, adding, installing, configuring apps inside of Teams. I think there's a ton of opportunity and like governance type stuff as well. How do you best use this and trying to educate people on how to best use it? Stuff that you do in your current role in marketing, I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of education about an existing uh, education and awareness about stuff. You do a lot of that stuff inside of Teams as well. So there's a lot of things. This product, not just in Teams, but Microsoft 365 as a whole is so big that I think that there's a lot of opportunities for different roles and opportunities that are not developer or technical related. Yeah, definitely. I think now more than ever, right? And one role that's really been a key to SharePoint's success over the years has been the non-developer, but is the sort of the the champion in either a business unit or a division or a team or what have you that's able to help others utilize the tools that they have at their disposal. I don't know what the right term for that person is, but they're sort of the, they're the champion of the tools, right? And so even though you've got Office 365, people don't necessarily know how to use it and they don't know how to use the tools that are within it. And so organizations that succeed the most and get the most out of these things often will have champions who are in the business and each team or division who are a little bit more technically minded than the others, but aren't developers, far from it, right? But are able to get stuck into the tools, learn about them and figure out what how they could be utilized with their teams and then help them implement them in their teams. And that could be anything from, you know, building forms through to workflows, through to configuring intranet sites and building out teams portals and project portals and all that sort of stuff. So there's still, you know, all of that is still just as relevant today as it was before Office 365. And none of it requires development shops, at least 
not the basics, right? Not unless you want to get into some hardcore sort of customization and build out. But there's loads of opportunity for that. All of that stuff still exists in Office 365 and even more now than ever with things like Power Apps and Flow. You know, non-developer people can really get into building solutions without having to cut a line of code. There's a lot of that that's there. And I mean, in fact, even to pile on one thing that CJ said, having a champion that in the organization that knows all this stuff, that's you know what's going, how you can use the different tools that are available to you. Even developers, even people like me, can take advantage of somebody like that because there are a ton of things that are in this product that I have no idea that you can even do from an end user or from an out of the box perspective that I learn every day. You just can't stay on top of everything unless it was your full time job. So, having that person, having that group to go to, like, how do I do this? You know, an internal evangelist, an internal champion, an internal adoption person. I mean, that's that's a huge opportunity for Microsoft 365. Yeah, I think it's even easier now. You can go, you know, you can go get a developer subscription for 365. Even if you're not a developer, it doesn't matter. Go get yourself a tenant and start playing around with these tools outside of your production environment and um, start learning about Flow and Power Apps and, and SharePoint intranet capabilities and all those, all the new list stuff in SharePoint, all of those things, and uh, get up and running really easy. Totally agree. So, Alex, hey, thanks a lot for submitting that question. If you also have a question for us, I mean, please feel free to do what Alex did. Record it, drop it into your OneDrive, your Dropbox, your Google Drive, doesn't matter how, it, how you dropped it in, and then send us a message as a, a DM on Twitter, a DM on, or yes. on Facebook, send us an email, all that kind of stuff. We got all the information about it at the end of the show. One bit of big news that Microsoft did share in the past week from Jared Spataro, we had a link here on the Microsoft 365 blog, was that now they are, have reached a milestone of over 200 million users uh, rely on Microsoft, rely on SharePoint as Microsoft is again recognized as a leader in the 2020 Content Services Platform's Magic Quadrant Report. So you've got Microsoft, you've got SharePoint or Microsoft way up in the top right corner above everybody else, including OpenText and Box and Alfresco and such. Yeah, it was 200 million, wasn't it? Yes. That's a pretty great milestone. I think a lot of that is powered by OneDrive, right? A lot of that use, my take on it is a lot of that is being powered by OneDrive, but credit where credit is due, that it's going well for them. And uh, SharePoint has a long set of legs in, in the cloud. So um, that's great to see progress. It's also great to see them measured so well by Gartner. People read these reports and, and it matters. So congratulations to the team. Absolutely. What you got for us? There's quite a few other bits and pieces we're going to get through. I've got some Azure stuff I'd like to very briefly touch on. Probably the most interesting one that I thought was Microsoft has shipped a Linux distribution that it's going to use in Azure called CBL Mariner. I don't know where that comes from. This blew my mind. Could have you imagined this happening 10 years ago? Nope. Not a chance. Nope. Five years ago? Yeah, maybe. Stretch. And then in the last three years or two years? Oh, yeah, that's pretty normal. Microsoft shipping a Linux distro. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. It boggles my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. They're going to use it for Azure Sphere OS and Linux, uh, sorry, Windows subsystem for Linux, WSL, for example. I'd love to talk to somebody about why they're doing this. Like, why do they need to come up with a new distro for it? What's the deal? I'd like to know why they're coming up with a new distro for it, and then also why they're not using Windows Core. Just out of curiosity, not to be critical, but I'm just curious, because I thought that Windows Core was kind of supposed to be like the headless OS, Microsoft's headless OS, which 
I understand the reasons behind it, but I'm curious to hear how they would actually pitch it. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, maybe we should uh, try and get somebody on the show who who has worked on this and they can come and explain all this to us. I have a slew of message center updates to share with everyone, especially after my experience uh, a couple weeks ago with something never making it to message center and being kind of caught blindside. I thought that I would give a little bit of a fire hose to four things that I've got here. One of them's not on the message center, but it or it may have been, I just couldn't find it. Office 365 is now finally supporting what's called plus messaging or plus addressing, where if your email address, if you've got like the first part, like andrew.connell at microsoftcloudshow.com, that's not a real address. But if that was my name, if I wanted to use that email to sign up for a different, say, newsletters, one of the things that, that Gmail is supported and a bunch of other platforms are supported is plus addressing. So that if I wanted to sign up for, say, the message center, I could say, use the email address of andrew.connell plus message center at microsoftcloudshow.com. The emails would still go, would all be routed to the mailbox without the plus whatever after it, but it would be a way for me to be able to identify, hey, I use this email address to get into, to put stuff inside of this site. I wanted to see, you know, where, how, when I get an email using that, that address, I can tell who, where it came from, where they actually got that email address. You could use it for nefarious things, like find out if, or to see if people were using your mail as a nefarious way, like selling your contact info. Or you can just do it just to help manage your email, uh, your mailbox a little bit better. It's weird because it's been in the, you know, the plus email addressing or email aliasing, I suppose, tagging mm-hmm. has been in the email RFC for a long, long, long time. And like Gmail has had this capability for, Five, over five years, I think. I don't know when it started, actually. It's been a long time. But it, it'd be also, it's also really cool for using in rules in, in managing and foldering your email. So you can you know, sign up for particular things and put a plus tag in your email address and then set up a rule to stick it in a folder for anything that comes in with a particular tag, which is kind of cool. Um, or you can just create a, could be Chris plus spam or something like that or junk or whatever and give it to different, mailing lists. Yeah, it's nice to be able to do that. I have a product that I use that it doesn't let me have multiple devices on the same account. So I had to create multiple accounts using different email addresses. So, but I used my, I use my admin capabilities inside my 365 tenant to just add a new mailbox. So it's, I have the first part of my alias and then I have the andrew.connell as the second one. But what I really want, I love to use my main email and then do plus sense primary sense secondary Make it easier for me to figure out which one I'm supposed to use. But yeah, a couple of the other message center things that I thought I would throw out there real quick. So these are going to be like firehose things. If you want to learn more about them, go check out these message center IDs in the message center in Microsoft 365 in the portal. Message center 228224 is about the retirement of Microsoft apps that use IE 11 or at least the IE 11 support. This Microsoft has said that they're going to start putting a banner when you're using IE 11. You're going to see a banner at the top of different apps letting you know that, hey, this stuff's going to expire. So make sure you switch over to a real browser, not one like Legacy Edge, but like Chrome or Credge or Firefox. Yeah. Another one was a big change, a configuration change for guest access in Microsoft Teams. That was Message Center 228482. And basically, it's just making a change to guest access that brings it more in line with the way that all other guest access works uh, across the Microsoft 365 suite. And then the other one that's kind of a big one for people who are still using this is that Microsoft, is, this is uh, Message Center 228641, and that they have announced they're going to retire Visio Web Access 
from SharePoint Online. Starting September 30th of 2021, you'll only be able to view Visio diagrams in their browser. You're not going to be able to create or edit them. The Visio Online viewing is available to most 365 subscriptions. Instead of using Visio Web Access and Visio Services and its web part for SharePoint Online, Microsoft says they're now recommending to either use Visio Online in the document web part or iframe the SharePoint Online for Visio Web Part. That doesn't make sense. Why do they say it like that? So you should iframe it. Instead, we recommend using the iframe. That doesn't make sense. They're also recommending people, if you want to go through and work with Visio diagrams in the browser, you should use their JavaScript API. And it's like, so end users have to learn a JavaScript API for working with Visio? Like, yeah. (laughs) How's that going to work? Yeah, not so well, I don't think. (laughs) Yeah, curious. Yeah. Some more Azure news. Azure is launching a new region. I guess it's a region or regions called Azure Government Top Secret. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Do we know where they are? So now there's... <laughs> I could tell you, but I would have to kill you. <laughs> so now as, you know, as part of their ongoing government support, they've now got, they're now going to have Azure Government Top Secret regions, which is sort of in line, you know, it's the next level up. They had, they had Azure Government... Azure Government Secret, and now they have Azure Government Top Secret. And now they're going to have Azure Government Super Top Secret. (laughs) Getting more scary. I've had a little bit to do with GCC and the government offerings from Azure. It's all the same, but a little bit different. Like getting access and things like that is, is tricky. You can't just go sign up for it, all that sort of stuff. So I imagine... You have to be a government organization to get access to this and have a bunch of clearances and blah, 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 blah. But, uh, you know, there are partners and people that just deal with GCC. So it's um, if anybody's looking into this sort of stuff, I recommend getting some advice because I was completely lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another update we have is from the Microsoft Graph side. Microsoft Search Query API is now available via Microsoft Graph. It's now GA. So what that means is that where you were pulling results using the current SharePoint modern search experience or the search experience, the, the modern search that we have, not just in SharePoint, but in the uh, Microsoft 365 apps, you can now integrate that into your own apps. And that same experience, that same search, I guess the behind the guts of it, you'll be able to integrate that into your own apps using Microsoft Graph now, instead of using just the search stuff that the graph had previously, you'll now be able to get the same results back that you were seeing in those other experiences. Super sweet. Anything else before we move on? Because I think we're all done. Or maybe not. A bunch of stuff around Teams about Microsoft Teams. Just some Firehose stuff. You can do Microsoft Teams calling updates now enable CarPlay, Apple CarPlay. We mentioned that on the last show. Oh, did we? I'm sorry. Missed that. Just very briefly, though. So the other one that was kind of big is that Teams is changing how they're doing their rollout of preview features. Oh, yes. They're coming in line with the way the rest of uh, Microsoft 365 does it. Go figure. Teams isn't doing things on their own like they like they are so used to doing. Let's... I'm a real boy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice to see that they're actually you know, bring, coming in alignment. It's a big announcement now. Like, we're going to announce, we're going to start doing our preview stuff the same way that everybody else does it. It's like, is that an announcement? <laughs> I'm going to announce, I'm announcing that I'm going to stop being bad. <laughs> yeah, so that's done. And I think, uh, was there anything else? Oh, breakout rooms are generally available today. They're rolling out into Microsoft Teams today. Yeah, actually, it's so funny you should mention that. Yesterday, I had somebody that said, 
that had one of those old old per- people moments I heard on this call, right, where he said, hold on a second, all my menu options and teams have changed. <laughs> 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 and he had all the breakout room stuff. And I was like, wow, that sounded like real old person stuff, right? Because, yeah, are you changing the order of my menus? Get off my lawn. You know, it was quite a, it was quite a sort of old person moment. It was quite funny. I gave him plenty of plenty of mockery. And that gets under my skin too. I mean, I'm like, just can it just stay, talk it up, old man? Can I just keep it consistent here? Like, we don't want to change. I actually know of one company that decided because things are changing in teams so often, they decided to switch back all of their company meetings. They decided to switch back to Teams. I'm oh, sorry, to uh, Zoom because things were changing too quick in Teams. Things were changing too quick in Teams. Now, I think the majority of their audience is a little bit on the older side, mm. but they like. They like Zoom because the experience is just is very consistent and it doesn't change. And there's no menus that people have to hunt for to get things to work, like chat and you know, starting recordings and showing reactions. Everything is just kind of front and center right in their face. So, yeah, I thought it was interesting. All right. I think that's a bunch of news we got this week. What do you say we share some picks with some people? Let's do it. ACs Voitanos delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. Back to the show. Mr. Johnson, would you like to kick us off with the picks? Yes, I will kick off with a spacey, a space-related pick that I came across a little while back. It's entitled, The Plan to Turn Scrapped Rockets into Space Stations. Ooh. It's an article in Wired, on Wired's website, and basically, the premise of this goes, the founder, I think the founder, yeah, CEO, well, maybe not the founder, he's the CEO of NanoRacks, Jeffrey Manber. And he basically has said, we send a bunch of rockets up into space, there's a bunch of rocket bodies, used stages of rocket bodies orbiting the Earth, and that they're perfectly good tubes of metal that we could turn into space stations. <laughs> That's the nuts and bolts of it, really. <laughs> and so his company, NanoRacks, is starting this new initiative called the Space Outpost Program. What? Sorry. What? <laughs> is it called the um, You Pick It, You Pull It, the Space Edition? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. You know, they want to turn these rocket bodies into orbiting outposts. And so I, I imagine there are still rocket bodies from, you know, the Apollo era in various orbits. In early October this year, this article actually starts out by mentioning this, there was a Soviet satellite and an upper stage of a Chinese rocket that very, became exceedingly close to hitting each other at great speed in orbit and creating a huge amount of orbital debris but anyway, so his point is, well, why don't we use these things for something useful? And so apparently next year, in June 2021, they've got their first demonstration mission called Mars Demo 1, where they want to launch their first in-space outpost technology demonstration. They're launching a payload, and it will demonstrate cutting the second stage of a representative tank material in orbit so they could start getting the techniques for doing these things. Oh, that's really cool. Learning the techniques. Yeah. I think that's really awesome because you spend so much money and time and effort and setting stuff up and then we just discard all these things and, you know, SpaceX is starting to reuse their first stages so we should start looking at reusing other things that are already in orbit. 
They're already in orbit. We should be able to use them. Absolutely. Absolutely. How about you? What have you got for us uh, this week? I have a retro pick. Retro being only like about two months ago. Um, But this is a... (laughs) (laughs) COVID, that's retro, man. (laughs) In COVID times. This is... uh, It's a Microsoft Teams remote code execution vulnerability that was found. It has since been fixed and addressed as of October of 2020. But the guy that found it and his team that found it, they went public with all the stuff about it. It's called the Important important Spoofing, a zero-click wormable cross-platform RCE in Microsoft Teams. So they Mm. reported it to Microsoft on August the 31st of 2020. Microsoft rated it, quote, important spoofing, which is one of the lowest in-scope ratings that is possible for Microsoft. They did that on September the 30th, about a month later. And so now they have like the, the guys that found it, they have this internal joke between colleagues. Whenever they get an RCE bug, they just call it important spoofing just to mess the people. But he has this GitHub, this GitHub readme with some animated pictures that show how it works. And it's pretty simple. You send a message to someone or you edit a message and when they look at the message, the code runs. So they don't have to do anything. It just takes over and does remote code execution on their machine. So it was a it's a pretty nasty one. It's good that they got this that they got this fixed. And it's cool to kind of see the behind the scenes of you know how the process worked when they shared that stuff. Yeah, gotcha. This I think will always be a problem in apps that are built using web technology. Mm-hmm. Right? Teams uses um it's an electron app, right? I think still. Yeah. And so there's a bunch of web web tech in there. And so, you know, the web is notoriously vulnerable to these sorts of attacks, cross-site scripting attacks and getting out of the web sandbox, so to speak, right? And um, so it doesn't surprise me that people are going to find holes in apps like this using similar techniques that they would to get to you through your browser. Yeah, it's not surprising. It's not surprising, but I mean, there you go. There's another, there's another one for you. So, I mean, you're gonna, we're going to keep seeing this. I love seeing the background of these things. I do, too. That's the thing that's interesting to me is, like, how did they find it? How did they figure this whole thing out? What tools did they use to kind of pick this stuff apart? There's a whole movie showing the whole thing. And then they even, you know, all the details of what they shared with Microsoft and what their responses were. So, this is pretty cool. Fascinating. Yep. Very cool, man. Good pick. That's it for this week in episode 388. Right? We're on 388, right? I just totally lost my Three. notes. Yes, 388. Oh, yeah, 388. <laughs> so professional here at the Cloud Show. Ah, yes. <laughs> we. <laughs> we've, I can't say we've ever. I can't say we ever have ever prided ourselves on utter and complete professionalism, but we keep it real. Is the way I like to think about it. Yeah, we want to have some fun in it as well, of course. All right, man. Good to see you again. Thanks again. Yeah, we'll talk again next week. 389 coming up next. Whoop whoop. Have a good one. Later. Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find out about our show and grow the audience, and we would really appreciate it. If you got a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as a wave or an MP3 and provide a link to it so that we can play your question on the show. You can also subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts, in the Google Play Store, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. And finally, sign up to our mailing list by heading over to our website, microsoftcloudshow.com. You'll get notices of each new episode as well as the show notes sent directly to you each week. We'll be back with another episode next week. Thanks for listening.